from Sydney, Australia, to Nuggetuck, Connecticut, in the U.S. of A. Welcome to Wrestling's Week That Was, presented by MainEventMadness.com. Here are your hosts, Joel the Man O'Brien and Aaron the Mastermind Ramadan. Okay, Aaron, can you hear me? I can indeed. Fantastic. At the 11th hour, I literally tried to call in via my computer, and okay, it worked. Can you hear me? Technology is fantastic. And uh, from here on in, we're going to be uh, trying to run the show as best we can. So uh, let's just go straight with it, guys. Welcome to the final episode of Wrestling's Week that was for 2014. I am Joel the Man O'Brien coming to you like I always do from the land down under Sydney, Australia. And joining me as he does every single week is Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Editor Aaron the Mastermind Ramadanos. And Aaron, what's going on? And did you ever think at the start of the year that you were going to end it talking pro wrestling with me of all people? Well, I didn't. I actually, going into this year, I was um, setting up my own show and that, of course, plummeted uh, because of uh, blog talk radio uh, technical difficulties, but um, yeah, it's been a crazy year uh, as far as everyone at PWP. I, uh, you know, I came on about in February of this year. Uh, and you and I both worked our way up to being editors of that very site. So it's been a crazy year, and it's it's kind of sad to see uh, PWP radio go away. But uh, you know, PWP still has a, a lot of growing to do, and uh, ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com is still um, still the place to go. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of uh, great writers as uh, as we promote every single week, and uh, PWP Radio has been great to me and great and great to Aaron as well. But uh, you know, uh, enough sadness. Let's just say that we're going to be here for the next two hours, not not just talking the last seven days of pro wrestling, which is what we usually do, but this week we're going to be doing talking the last 365 days of the pro wrestling industry. So we're going to use the show as a, almost like a year in review. It's going to be a great chance to reflect on the good and the bad of WWE, NXT, and Impact Wrestling. So, uh, so sit back, relax, and let myself and Aaron break down the most important news, moments, angles, shows, and matches of 2014. But we don't want to just hear what each other think, because we do that every single week. But we want to hear what you guys think as well, and girls, of course, because you know we don't want to be sexist here. So, uh, so call into the show at any time, uh, if you like, uh, at 760-888-5749. Or give us your own personal year review. Or, or send you some thoughts in 140 characters or less via Twitter at Wrestling Break, and we will read and discuss them live on the PWP Airways for the very, very last time. Now, I just want to make sure everyone's clear. This is just WWE, uh, NXT, and TNA only as a year review. So all, those, uh, all your ROH fans and Dragon Gate fans and New Japan fans, unfortunately... You're not going to find that kind of analysis here, but hopefully you'll find something that you'll enjoy. So that number again is 760 888 
And um, so I just want to get some admin out of the way first before we kind of uh, kick things off here. Um, this is going to be the last appearance for Wrestling's Week that was ever. Um, we're actually going to be changing everything up. Uh, come next week, Tuesday, uh, uh, we start recording for the first ever episode of Wrestling's Rope Break. So that's going to be a combination of the interview show that uh, me and Aaron conduct uh, when we can, when we land some interviews, and it's going to be uh, a different take on the weekly uh, wrap-up kind of structure that we have. It's going to be much more free-flowing, much more discussion-orientated, and hopefully, as we grow our fan base, much more interactive with you guys and girls. So um, a lot to be excited about. Where are we going? Well, uh, you, know, you might remember me saying something about uh, us uh, being presented by MainEventMadness.com. Um, Main Event Madness is currently just a just a one 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 show uh, a week uh, uh, venture by uh, John Curry and uh, Alfonso Marion uh, at MainEventMadness.com where they discuss you know everything pro wrestling, NFL, Major League Baseball, um, but we're we're gonna just, just gonna gonna focus on the uh, pro wrestling side of things, and they they do have a show like, around like eleven ten a.m. every single Wednesday uh, without fail, so. Uh, we're going to add to their to their uh, lineup by by airing every Thursday at 8 p.m. and it's going to be exclusive to maineventmadness.com. Um, so, where can you find all this kind of stuff? Like, well, like it's it's easy for us to kind of put a Facebook post up there from here here and there. Like, but we now have direct ways of getting in touch with us and telling us what telling us what you think while watching our show. So, obviously, Twitter's been, been the, the the linchpin for a long time. So that's wrestling R break, capital W, capital R, capital B. But now we have a Facebook site. So that's www.facebook.com/wrestlingsropebreak. Um, you can find all the all the updates, uh, um, what's going on, not just with the radio show, but also with our writings and and other, other ventures, uh, the ER report that uh, Aaron mentioned, we, we, we'll, we'll be posting up there. Maybe some cool new re- cool news wrestling that Aaron is involved in as well, plus all the PWP articles that we uh, edit and publish ourselves. And also, our website uh, is included there. So that's wrestlingsropebreak.weebly.com. Wrestlingsropebreak.weebly.com. So you've got not, not, not only Twitter this time around for 2015, but Facebook and a website that we're going to be updating on a regular basis. So um, like us on Facebook and keep up to date in that way, or you can just visit our website whenever you, whenever you get the chance. So plenty of different ways of finding uh, the, the new show, Wrestling's Rope Break, and that's going to be coming uh, live Thursday, um, 8 p.m. Eastern, on maineventmadness.com. So enough of all this plug stuff, because I'm sure... You guys can come here to listen to plugs. You're here to find out what the biggest news stories of the week, the biggest matches of the week, and well, actually more, more of the year. <laughs> so, uh, Aaron, hit, hit us off. So, obviously, you know, for the final time of 2014, powered by Cool News Wrestling, tell us what the news of the year was. Well, there were a lot of humongous stories this this year. Um, the, the probably the biggest story of the year, and I think everyone knows what we're going to say here is the CM Punk saga. Now, if you're not familiar, uh, you must be living under a rock for this entire year, but um, CM Punk left the company, uh, you know, around Royal Rumble time, uh, the Raw after the Royal Rumble. Um, you know, he was he was in silence for months and months, uh, then, you know, broke his silence on the Colt Cabana podcast, The Art of Wrestling, and, you know, went through, uh, you know, everything he disliked about WWE and his stay there, and, you know, kind of quote unquote show, uh, did a shoot interview with with Colt Cabana, um, and then WWE responded with Vince McMahon's uh, podcast with with Steve Austin, and it was, you know the CM Punk saga kind of 
defined the the, the 2014 uh, for WWE as far as moving guys in uh, that aren't the mold, aren't the the, um, the 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 guys that you know aren't ordinarily uh, pushed. I think CM Punk might have broken that mold by kind of leaving and and you know doing something like that. So uh, Joel, you know, what does the CM Punk saga mean to 2014? I mean, it, it, it opens a lot of eyes, if you're asking what I think. Um, it opens uh, some, uh, ask some questions in regards to how WWE kind of conducts uh, and treats their superstars. I think it really shone, shone a, big, uh, a great light on that in regards to CM Punk's uh, series of injuries that were kind of ignored due to his stature and due to the, the fact that the company just needed him uh, over and over and over again. And I think, unfortunately... Uh, they were dealing with CM Punk, who was one of the most uh, opinionated superstars of the last, like, you know, 10, 20 years. And um, I kind of sympathize with him. I mean, like, I, I, I find myself sympathizing with him, and it kind of just left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth, especially with uh, 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 Vincent Mann's uh, rebuttal on the Steve Austin podcast uh, that was done about, about a month and a bit ago, which is a, def- uh, which is a must uh, listen uh, to content if you're a wrestling fan. Um, it, yeah, it, it kind of just opened a few, uh, my eyes to a few things, and I was just a bit disappointed with uh, WWE's uh, inability to kind of adjust and you know, like, like and, and treat people, uh, treat their superstars like human beings. I think that's the one thing I kind of took away from it. Yeah, I, I just you know, I think I've expressed myself a number of times on the CM Punk thing, and I'm not really, um, I'm not really on his side throughout this whole saga. I've kind of, I've kind of like I said, I, I've, I've I've kind of sympathized with him on some respect of being injured and wanting some time off. I understand that. Um, but at the same time, there are guys in WWE like that are currently working right now that, that are injured, like uh, Adolph Ziggler, apparently. We found out, I found out today. I'm seeing as well. Yeah, he's, yeah, I mean, a bunch of people have been working with injuries. So, I don't know. I just, I understand his, his gripe and his, his um, disdain for wanting some time off, but at the same time, it's that's what that's what you do. That's what WWE is all about. You know, you work through injuries, uh, you, you come back early. That you know, I think everyone in WWE goes through that. I don't think CM Punk was the only one that went through that. Um, you know, but at the same time, I do understand you know his side of the story. So you know, it, it, this this story has really just defined WWE and pro wrestling in general. I mean, this has probably been the biggest story of the year. Yeah, absolutely, and. Um... Obviously, now we know that CM Punk is going to be getting into UFC, and obviously, good luck to him. It's, it's one of those kind of uh, weird, kind of bizarro situations, much like uh, when Batista just started MMA because it's almost like a bucket list thing to do. And hey, good luck to him. You know, like I'm sure he'll make a. It would be great if he brings some uh, more eyes back to UFC because they have kind of been dwindling. But at the same time, this is not a UFC uh, talking show. This is a pro wrestling talking show, and there was a ton of uh, great movement in. Uh, in uh, the pro wrestling industry, especially as we uh, we catapult ourselves into 2015, uh, Global Force Wrestling. Uh, I think again another huge story. And uh, Aaron, just tell us tell us about what Global Force Wrestling I guess means for the industry uh, going into 2015. Well, this was probably one of the biggest stories of this year as well. You know, Global Force Wrestling coming to life um, with Jeff Jarrett, and of course we do have Jeff Jarrett later on in the show uh, toward the back end. So stick around for that, but. Um, you know, Global Force Wrestling means a lot to pro wrestling this year because it was just a constant build 
Uh, you know, early early 2014, we kind of got some rumblings of this new company being emerged by Jeff Jarrett. Uh, he finally announced it, and, and it was big. It, it, and he, you know, has, I think, 13, 14 partnerships with multiple um, ind- independent promotions, New Japan Pro Wrestling, a bunch of different uh, other uh, across the world. So it's, I think this is going to be huge. I think, you know, this impact on 2014 was big, and they haven't even put out a show yet. Imagine what we're going to see in 2015 when they are producing, you know, weekly or monthly or however they're going to do it, um, shows. And once Wrestle Kingdom 9, you know, happens, I think Global Force Wrestling can change the landscape of pro wrestling for 2015 and years uh, beyond. Yeah, obviously... uh... One of the biggest things I left out in the start is that, yes, we will be having Jeff Jarrett uh, at the end of the show, so definitely stick around for that, and I will let Jeff Jarrett kind of explain uh, the uh, the impact of Global Force Wrestling in a little bit more detail from his own uh, mouth. But at the same time, Global Force Wrestling kind of it, it, it symbolizes what WWE really needs. It needs competition, and I, I, I have an absolute faith that Jeff Jarrett uh, can... Uh, take this idea and bring it to life. Obviously, I don't think it's, no one can just go head-to-head with WWE, but I think there's an alt, there's a need for an alternative, a globally recognized alternative to what we see on WWE. And hopefully, uh, it makes us no, enough rumblings to the point where, hey, you know, WWE starts you know, adjusting their stuff accordingly to kind of maintain their audiences, you know. Uh, everyone knows the Monday Night Wars and how how the content just went from like from strength to strength. And I think there's going to be another situation with that. And um, you know, you, all you have to do is kind of look at TNA and the, and the impact that TNA left because Jeff Jarrett founded that company along with his father, Jerry Jarrett. And, you know, say what you will about TNA, but they made their mark. And, and, and now that uh, Global Force Wrestling has, as, as Aaron said, almost like, you know, 14 uh, different uh, groups that everyone's kind of involved in, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great 2015. Absolutely, and you know, speaking of WWE, our you know the third probably biggest story of the year was the WWE Network. <laughs> uh, you know, this has kind of been a stop-start project for them for years. Uh, the WWE Network going up and down, and, and people subscribing and unsubscribing, and of course their their lack of subscribers. You know, uh, apparently the number right now is about eight hundred thousand, just under eight hundred thousand. So it's still very low. Um, and it's tough. It really is because I, you know, I think we've talked about this a hundred times over, but I like, I like the network. I'm a subscriber. Uh, I watch NXT, which we'll be talking about soon. I, I, you know, I watch all the, the documentary series like, like rivalries and, and all the stuff that they put out. I love the network. I think it's a really cool, just kind of, you know, for me, I use it personally where either I use it for NXT or I use it for, um, you know, if I'm just at home one night and I just want to watch a pay-per-view, I can go scrolling through and watch a pay-per-view. Like it's, it, I think it's a great tool for any wrestling fan, more specifically WWE fans. Um, and I'm still baffled on why there's not more subscribers. I don't understand that. You know, I just put out something for CoolWrestlingNews.com uh, last week that you know, a hundred thousand people bought Survivor Series traditionally. They they paid. $60 to buy Survivor Series, about 100,000 people. So that just still blows my mind that you have a, uh, a pay-per-view that's only $9.99, but you still pay $60 for it. I, just, I don't get that disconnect. I don't understand why people are still buying the pay-per-view. Maybe it's because it has to be on a computer or a 
a video game console, maybe that's the thing that kind of pushes people away from it and they'd rather watch it on their TV, you know, traditionally. Maybe they don't want to change. Maybe the 100,000 people are older got older people around their 40s and 50s that don't know how to work a computer or whatever it is. <laughs> I, I still find that baffling that people still don't descri- subscribe to the WWE Network. Maybe it's got something to do with the fact that you're committing. For, well, actually, no. So I think that was the maybe the uh, the disconnect initially. That you know it wasn't just a, a monthly thing, and that it was a six month commitment. And maybe people were a little bit uh, um, uh, worried about doing something like that. But I think the m- one thing that will kind of come to mind with the WWE Network, I, I, there's a, a lot of hype. The you know the, 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 the reveal was massive, and and they promised a lot of things, and. And the idea of the, the pay-per-views, you know, like like almost bringing an end to the pay-per-view industry. Well, it hasn't exactly happened that way because Aaron just provided the, the stats that kind of say, well, you know, people are still buying pay-per-view. Um, but I think when, when you're looking at ways to kind of improve the network and wondering why it didn't work, I think there's just so much content on WWE television as it is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you've already got your three hours of Raw on Monday and you've got uh, two, two hours of SmackDown on Thursday now. Um, you know, uh, that that's five that's five hours already, and now you're expecting other people to pay to see more of like more content. That really, when you when when push comes to shove, it's not must see. You know, it's hard to it's, it's hard to make uh, so much content and make it all must see. And I think I think that's kind of the the the, the downside of the network. I mean, I I I think for diehard fans, it's a dream come true. I mean, like I, I I've enjoyed last week. I enjoyed. Uh, watching Starcade '93, the, the event where Ric Flair defeated uh, Vader for the for, for uh, the WCW World Championship, fantastic event. I mean, I can see that just on, on the touch of my smartphone. Um, but I, I mean, I've I've always been a, an advocate for the network kind of working towards these pay-per-views that they have, you know the whole pay-per-view libraries are available, right? Why don't they give us vignettes, videos? Television episodes that lead to these events have them packaged because like pay-per-views are great on their own, and I can watch great wrestling until I die. But if I would love some substance, some storylines, some meaning behind all these pay-per-views in these video packages, I think that I think that'd be a great way to kind of like use the library to uh, you know enhance the the biggest factor of uh, of uh, you know of the of, of the WWE network. But you know. Time will tell, if, and the time will tell to see if that will actually work. But uh, you know, obviously, it's still in, in its developmental stage. But speaking of developmental, um, WWE's developmental system is almost like flourished to the point where it's almost outshining uh, the, the WWE's main roster. Mm-hmm. Well, I think almost is a word of the past. I think it is outshining the main roster. I think it's, NXT has grown from this, you know, just developmental FCW. It's been, you know, it was it was nothing. It was barely on TV. It wasn't even on TV. It was, you had to kind of go down there to watch it. And I think it's come so far. It really has. In the last two years where when it started, and now it's come to the point where it's getting its own special events and, and almost pay-per-views. And, it, you know, and, and you're building stars down there before they even get to the main roster. I think it's really grown into its own brand. And I... I I've kind of written about it a hundred times on ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com where they've they've almost separated themselves from the main roster, and that could hurt and help them. You know, we just saw with the Ascension, uh, you know, this past Monday night where they debuted, and, you know, it was a little bit of a, a disconnect. You know, the fans weren't really into it. There was 
it was almost awkward. And maybe that has something to do with, and I wrote about this on PWP, that maybe it has something to do with us already seeing the act. We've we've seen them start from the the bottom, rise to the top, win the tag titles, go through it all. We've seen it already. So now that they're on the main roster, maybe there's some disconnect because we've seen it. We've we've seen them already climb the mountain. So I don't know. You know, NXT is great. I love NXT, and we, you know, you and I, uh, NXT is our baby. Mm-hmm. That that's the thing we go to every week oh, yeah. that we get excited for. So I don't, I, I just, I'm afraid of what NXT means for the main roster and if it'll help or hurt, you know, because the NXT is supposed to build toward the main roster. It's, forced to, it's supposed to help the main roster grow um, and, and create new stars. But if it's outshining the main roster, then it's almost working in reverse. That's a very good point. I mean, I was uh, I listened to Brian Alvarez's uh, Wrestling Observer every single week. I try and catch as many shows as I can. And there's a show called the Brian and Vinny Show where uh, Brian kind of meets with his with his with his best mate, and they and they discuss like comically kind of discuss the you know the 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 week's uh, television content. And in this situation, they were looking at the uh, NXT special that was happening, kind of wrapping up the year. It was a great show. You should check it out. But the Sasha Banks uh, Charlotte match was incredible. They talk about how great the show is and how well it's booked and how everyone loves Triple H for what he's done. And he's done some amazing stuff with NXT. And it's easily the highlight of anyone's week if you're a pro wrestling fan. If you're not watching, haven't bought the network, you should definitely buy it for NXT on its own. But uh, the point I'm trying to make is that Brian and Vinny were looking through this uh, episode. It's kind of... It's, it's it's almost deflating because you see all this great talent and, and they're working towards the main roster. That's what makes the show the show. You know, like the, 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 these guys are fighting for their spot to make it to the next level in their careers, and that's kind of like you know what feels with the characters. But then you look at the people who have made it. It's probably you've got your Finn Balor's, your, your, your Kevin Owens, your Adrian Neville's, your Sami Zayn's, all these great, great, amazing talent. Then you look at Bo, uh, Bo Dallas. Big E, Emma, Paige. Like, well, maybe maybe not. Paige and Rusev, Paige and Rusev may be the, uh, the exceptions, but everyone else has kind of got there and then they've quickly faded into obscurity. And uh, it, it, makes you kind of worry, it makes you kind of wonder what's going to happen to these amazing, amazing talent. Like I, I heard one thing, like, you know, Kevin Dunn, the producer of WWE, he, he he's always had a thing against uh, like international accents and doesn't like them. And that's why Adam Rose is another one. You know, like that's why Adam Rose had, uh, got a, a very big push and then was immediately kind of pulled, pulled back apparently because you know Kevin Dunn really struggled with his accent. I'm pretty sure that like three quarters of the of the amazing roster they've got on uh, on NXT are all internationals. They all got very weird kind of accents. So I don't know what that means. I hope that, uh, you know, the cream rises to the top. I mean, it's hard to, for the cream not to rise to the top when you're dealing with Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville and all these amazing pro wrestlers. And time will tell. I guess time will tell to see if, uh, you know, th- these guys can make uh, make uh, quick work of the problems that is, you know, WWE's uh, booking situation. But, uh, um, Aaron, let's just move on to, you know, like one, of the, one of the other biggest 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 news stories of the year. 30 years of WrestleMania uh, climaxed uh, this year for WrestleMania 30 in the... It was a damn good show. Yeah, um, we'll be talking about that probably in the pay-per-view of the year segment later on in the show. But, yeah, 30 years of WrestleMania this year. And, you know, when we reminisce on WrestleMania in in general, it's hard to believe it's been 30 years. 
Um, you know, of course, I haven't been as uh, alive as long as you have. Um, that's just me indirectly calling you old. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, okay. Yeah, well, I am old. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I've, I've probably been around for about, you know, a third of it. And it, it's, it's just amazing because I remember my first WrestleMania was WrestleMania 20 that I went and, and, and was in Madison Square Garden. And I, 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 I wow. just, I can't believe it's been 10 years since that point. And I just, it, it's amazing how far the product's grown. You know, some say it's, it's probably worse off now than it is then. You know, that's debatable, you know, however you, you talk to. But um, I really think it's incredible that we've gotten 30 years of WrestleMania, of course, and, and it's such a big deal. And, you know, it's, it's just crazy to think about that we it's been 30 years. Yeah, um, it's it's one of those things that if you watch, you know, from WrestleMania 1 to WrestleMania 30, this, the business has changed. And I, I think the back end of 2014 has kind of taught me that, uh, you know, we are in the sports entertainment industry more than kind of a pro wrestling industry. And, you know, that, 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 that you can take that with a grain of salt and, you know, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But when it comes to WrestleMania, I mean, it's the one show where, like, what I just said kind of gets thrown out the, at the window and pro wrestling kind of takes over. And it's always the the, the, night, the night of nights where WWE's kind of, like, shown, you know, why they are where they are. And they somehow have an amazing ability to uh, to do that. And I, I think WrestleMania 30, obviously we're going to get into the pay-per-views later on, as, uh, as Aaron uh, talked about. But the WrestleMania 30 was probably one of the most more memorable uh, WrestleMania is a, uh, in a long, 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 long time. I think that's one thing that we we could both agree on. And, and uh, WrestleMania 31, I will be there in Santa Clara live, sitting on the, sitting right next to the entrance ramp, watching. Uh, hopefully, you know Daniel Bryan, maybe, maybe trying to get get, get that World Heavyweight Championship uh, uh, up. But we'll be talking about that next week in regards to uh, what's happened on Raw. Uh, but yeah, 30 is a WrestleMania. It's uh, it's crazy to see uh, where it's come. But let's just get straight into the to the, the the awards. The awards of the year, our year in review. We're going to be going through a lot of different awards uh, in the next like hour and a bit. Just uh, just kind of wrapping up the year in, in a very succinct way. And uh, let's just. Uh, by the way, you can still call in seven six zero triple eight five seven four nine, or tweet me at uh, at wrestling R break, and uh, we will discuss uh, and discuss what you think uh, was the best, the worst, and maybe the in betweens of two thousand and fourteen. Now, um, the the feud of the year. Let's just start off with, with the big one. The feud of the year. Now, there was a ton of uh, you know like a uh, uh, interesting feud. Some some range from you know like to, you know like so, so, show centric like the Usos and the Mizzes. But to, to me, I think Rollins versus Ambrose, Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose was uh, was my personal. Uh, Got, got got me the most excited this year. I mean, uh, it was it's so simple and it was so easy to follow. I mean, no one I, I, no one could uh, not sympathise with Dean Ambrose having his brother stab, stab him in the back, and having uh, Dean Ambrose the lunatic fringe kind of emerge as this crazy. Well, you don't know who you know, you know the whole kind of like you don't know who you actually kind of pissed off. And of course, uh, we know that Dean Ambrose made Seth Rollins' life a living hell for many, many, many months. And it it just went from strength to strength to strength because these guys had wrestled many, many times on the Indies, in NXT. They knew exactly what to do in the ring from their, from their uh, you know, the SummerSlam Lumberjack match to the amazing No Holds Barred match on Raw the next night to the 
to the climactic uh, Hell in a Cell match where, you know, they pretty much did everything that they could in a, in a quote-unquote PG environment. Amazing stuff, amazing climax, and uh, just that's easily my fees of the year. Uh, that's very interesting. That was in the running for me. Um, you know, some honorable mentions I just want to throw out there before I pick mine was, you know, probably Lashley versus Rude in TNA. I thought that feud really um, was really was simple and yeah. very... Very, it was very simple, very you know old school. I, I really liked the way they did that. Also, Bully Ray and Dixie Carter, I thought was a nice build to eventually putting her. Oh, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that one. <laughs> well, you know, I, it had, I, know. Yeah, I, think, I think it had a good climax. I think it did. Yeah, I think the climax toward that was really cool, and I like how they kind of built toward Dixie and Bully. But uh, I'm going to go with Daniel Bryan versus the Authority. Um, I think that feud was simple as it can get. It was a you know an underdog fighting the pow- the the authority, the power of WWE and I thought they really worked and built toward Triple H's Daniel Bryan and then eventually Daniel Bryan going on and winning the world title. So um I'm gonna go with Daniel Bryan versus the authority. I think the, like I said that that feud really personifies how simple booking can be. You just put a underdog against the you know the the power, the power struggle and I think that really it really worked for me in 2014, Daniel Bryan versus The Authority. I think, uh, yeah, it, 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 one thing that's with me, I think it was, it just became a bit long in the tooth. Because, well, obviously, we are talking about um, 2014, but if we uh, turn the clocks back to 2013, I think one thing that just leaves a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth is that they just kept uh, putting Daniel Bryan down. And obviously, you know, the, the backstage story was that uh, Daniel Bryan was in no contention to win the World Heavyweight Championship until the fans pretty much made it clear that they wanted him in the main event. And that shows you that the fans, you know, fans still have the power to uh, to kind of manipulate that. So, but I, I thought Stephanie McMahon versus Brie Bella was fantastic. I thought they had they mm-hmm. had a really good uh, few months build and they really did a great job in uh, in creating a, a character in Brie. Obviously, you know, Brie Bella is where she is right now and who knows why, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, but uh, at the same time, the Wyatts versus the Usos, they had some great, great simple tag, simple tag team storyline made by just amazing, amazing opening matches. The two out of three falls match, uh, and the previous, the previous one-on-one encounter for the tag titles uh, the month prior was fantastic. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Shield versus Evolution. A lot of people kind of forget that mm-hmm. you know, that was at the start of the year. You know, like those, those, those stare downs, those, those, it was simple. You get those three guys staring each other down in the middle of the ring and the fans told you what they thought about that. And the, the payoff was fantastic. Um, you know, obviously the Wyatts are where they are at the same time, you know, Brock Lesnar versus John Cena, you know, like those mm-hmm. amazing video packages, uh, hyping up SummerSlam and, and having the, the payoff be what it was and the ultimate destruction of John Cena. Uh, will John Cena win the WWE Championship at the Royal Rumble? We're going to discuss that next week uh, on Wrestling's Rip Break Thursday, 8 p.m. on MainEventMadness.com. So, Aaron, give us, give us, give us we're going to be doing some show wrap-ups, kind of breaking up these awards. And, you know, we're going to be reviewing SmackDown, reviewing Raw, reviewing NXT. But let's just start off with Impact Wrestling. You know, the... the Every single week, Impact Wrestling kind of gave us uh, something a little bit different from what uh, WWE kind of offered. Yeah, um, you know, Impact was a little bit of an up and down roller coaster this year. Um, you know, it, it and they they were kind of pigeonholed into this. You know, they had they had a lot of guys. They they cut a lot of fat, which was one of the points I wanted to talk about. Was they they trimmed a lot of fat. They 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 got rid of that influence, even though I didn't I wasn't a big fan of that that kind of. 
uh, released or whatever. But you know, they've kind of they lost AJ Styles. They you know they they lost a lot of guys, and I think their ability to create new stars this year was really good and really underrated. Um, you know, personally, I, I think, and we'll probably talk about this in Breakout Star of the Year. But guys like Bram and Magnus and the Wolves and, you know, building these guys to kind of maybe be the future of TNA. And, I, you know, and I'm a huge fan of Bram. I think Bram has really grown into, you know, just a big time. And I think he has huge potential to grow even more. But their ability to create new stars this year I thought was really good. Um, I thought the NYC tapings uh, in New York City, I thought that was really a highlight for them this year. Uh, you know, yeah, really yeah. a lot of momentum they picked up uh, with those tapings, and of course they're going to be going back there uh, in January. Uh, you know, th- their first uh, their first taping will be there. So, um, you know, Impact Wrestling this year, I think a lot of people, and I, we've talked about this a hundred times over. You know, a lot of people will never watch it again because they they've been burned by TNA so many times. I thought t- <laughs> 2014 for TNA was underrated, very solid. I thought it was, you know, actually a pretty good year for them. And I think a lot of people should give them a chance next year um, because I think they really did a good job this year of, of creating new stars, working good. And, sim- and the one thing they did really well this year as well, toward the back end, is they, they cut down the gang warfare stuff. You know, we always had like Immortal versus Fortune and and, and Eric Bischoff and the power struggle and aces and eights. We've always had this big gang warfare stuff that they love to do. And we saw that a little bit earlier in the year with Dixie Carter, but the last kind of back end of this year, they, they kind of cut away with that. And they, they just had rude and Lashley and they had these two guys going at it for the title. And it's just, it was, it, they, they simplified everything and that's what they need to do. They need to keep things simple, not overthink anything, less gang warfare, more, uh, focus on the TNA title. I thought they did a really good job of that the last couple of months. It, it's definitely a show that kind of went from t- to hell and back. Um, like the, the, as you said, the start of the year was it was Dixieland. It was all it was gonna it was putting uh, Dixie Carter in as many segments as as you can to get as much heat as you can, and it was go away heat. It was it was definitely like ter- like it was just the most irritating kind of story of the whole power struggle thing that we've seen many, 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 many times in TNA over the last, like, you know, five, ten years. And it became long in the tooth, you know. And, and unfortunately, you know, characters such as Magnus and all those kind of people kind of suffered because of it. And, you know, it's been very well documented this year of the the, the problems that the TNA's had at their house shows. No one's coming to the house shows. And, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head there, Aaron, in regards to the fact that I think Fans have been burnt by TNA over and over and over again. That being said, the the back end of 2014, before uh, they went into a hiatus and and, and uh, started to rebuild before Destination America, they their TV was consistently great. They had reason reasons for everyone to kind of tune in. The the, the three way ladder match, uh, the, the, the three way uh, tag team battle when we got to the table matches, the ladder matches, and, the, and then finally the TLC match between the Wolves, the Hardys, and the Dudleys was a definite highlight that everyone was talking about. And I think uh, they they found the formula as they were just c- c- going off the air for the end of the year. I think good wrestling, focus on the wrestling, because really their roster, as you said, is so underrated. James Storm, Austin Aries, Bobby Roode, Bully Ray, Jeff Hardy, um, the, you know, Davey Richards, Eddie Edwards, all these amazing wrestlers that can that can put on a show. James Storm, ho- holy crap, what a, what an underrated year that he's had. 
in regards to mm-hmm. his whole revolution, kind of Bray Wyatt-esque. And that's another thing with TNA, which is unfortunate, that they kind of get branded like, oh, they're just ripping off, ripping off WWE storylines. And you know what? Maybe to a degree, they, 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 they did it at times. And I think they were just trying to find their feet and trying to find ways to compete. Being WWE is not the way. Jim Ross said it many, many times when he talked about TNA on What's On His Mind every single week. And they just need to just find that formula. And I think they were on the way to doing that before they actually left the year. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what TNA can offer. Like, holy shit, you know, like we're talking about Bobby Roode uh, had a great year. Bobby Lashley was like probably the, one of the most uh, well-structured, uh, dominant world champions in the whole industry for 2014. I thought he had a tremendous year. He was unstoppable. He was an absolute highlight for the show. And then we had MVP as his mouthpiece. Just, just, he had a great year as well. So there's a lot of highlights from TNA Impact that a lot of people kind of forget, forget about because they've been burnt by the previous year. But let's get straight into the next award, the segment or angle of the year. Now, this one's a hard one, Aaron. What did, what did you end up choosing? Yeah, this was a hard one. And a lot, you know, it was, it was really tough to kind of bring segments and angles to mind. But um, I think it's... It, I, I decided on Seth Rollins turning on the shield. I think that that really kind of defined the year for Seth Rollins, of course, going forward as, um, you know, the, the top heel in, in WWE and being the future. I thought, you know, that that really kick-started his, his run. And I thought that whole segment was really worked really well. You know, Triple H and Orton coming down with, with, with Triple H having the sledgehammer on his shoulder saying there's always a plan B. And, of course, Rollins, you know, slamming uh, Reigns with the chair in his back. And, you know, uh, the lasting image of that segment was, you know, Hunter with his arms around Orton and Rollins, and everyone just kind of freaked out. And one of my favorite things about that segment as well was um, as Rollins is wrenching back to hit Reigns, you can hear people in the crowd screaming, no, like you could, you could just see everyone's <laughs> face like just dropping. And, you know, the shield was, one of the you know the most popular factions of all time, if you really think about it, and you know it was really in, incredible to see the evolution of those three guys, uh, you know, to where they are now. We'll definitely be talking about them later on in the show, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. Rollins turning on these shields for me was a segment of the year. Yeah, I mean, like when you build up the shield so well as they did, like um i'll just say right now like everyone kind of rips on wwe and i've been ripping on wwe for the last like few months but they don't know what they're doing you have things like the shield which is like the prime example of wwe knowing what the hell they're doing um and the fact that that ain't that segment of the that that segment is the segment of the year for you just shows that you know like people cared about the breakup. It was one of these massive things. It was a big deal because people invested in the Shield. They saw them dominate Evolution, like have a clean sweep the night before at Payback. It completely killed them. And um, yeah, it was a great segment. But like in regards to me, like I, I think because that moment of 2014 was such a monumental occasion, um, my my uh, segment of the year isn't exactly that segment. I mean, it was a good segment. Don't get me wrong. The Dean Ambrose Roman Reigns post Shield breakup segment that was done the, the, the week after, I thought was really the, the segment of the year. I think if you're talking about like setting the tone for 2014 and like where Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns were going, I don't think you could find a better example of like uh, Reigns and, and Ambrose just set up their paths and show you where they're going. 
And obviously Roman Reigns is, you know, he went straight to the championship and you know, he's, he's, he's on his way. We don't, like, he's going to make it. Time will tell. But uh, I think Dean Ambrose was really my highlight. I remember that promo that he cut just being, just like opening everyone's eyes and saying, holy crap, remember this guy is incredibly talented behind that mic and can get you invested in anything that he does. And that was an incredibly awesome promo to say how you know, you stabbed me in my in my back, my brother, and all that stuff. Like it's definitely it's up there on on, on YouTube. Check it out, guys, because it was an amazing segment. That, yeah, it's one of it's one of the things. It's a very hard for, uh, hard thing to define. I mean, that the the Yes Movement taking over Raw was great in March. Uh, having like, having Daniel Bryan have all the the fans quote unquote uh, occupy Raw, um, which was incredible. Like. Uh, the Shield and the Wyatts, and I'll go back to the Shield and the Wyatts. The first ever stare down or the first ever encounter between the, the three, the six of them in one ring was incredible in, in February. And, uh, you know, yeah, there's the, the, a lot of different uh, different uh, segments there. But that was, a, that was the segment angle of the year. Aaron, tell us about SmackDown. Let's, let, let's move straight into the show, SmackDown. And what kind of year did, uh, the, did SmackDown have in regards to everything else? Um, overall, I thought SmackDown had a pretty, you know, average year. Um, nothing really special happened on the show, which was kind of, that, that's kind of everyone's complaint about it. And, and that's probably one of the reasons why a lot of people don't watch SmackDown is that, you know, nothing really big happens on it. It's always, you know, it's always filler. It's always, you know, match here, match there. But one thing that I really liked about SmackDown this year is they really showcased the younger guys and the young blood like Rollins, Ambrose, Reigns, Ziggler. You know, they're they're giving these guys a spotlight, and they've kind of always done that. And, you know, I, I think, you know, in, the, in this age of WWE where, you know, guys like Edge had to retire and, and Batista's gone away, and, and, you know, all the, you know, and Edge used to be kind of the face of SmackDown for a couple of years. Um, they've kind of gone away with that kind of mentality of, of, of putting a face on SmackDown. You know, they, they, they give these younger guys that spotlight. I, I also like that they kind of, gave those mid-card titles the spotlight on those shows as well. You had Ziggler and Rollins main eventing, you know, SmackDown and Ziggler going over with the, the IC title. You know, it, they did a lot of that, and I, I really liked that. And I thought that, that you know, showcasing SmackDown as a, a place for those young guys to perform and, and have their, you know, their their platform to, to showcase them, uh, the, those young guys, I think is really the, the, the biggest thing for SmackDown, in my opinion, um, in 2015, I'd like to see SmackDown become a little more important. I think moving to Thursday nights, they might try to do that. And, you know, there was rumors that WWE is going to um, to include bigger storylines on SmackDown and maybe, you know, have things happen on SmackDown. I think that's the way to watch. Uh, that's the way to get people to watch. I think you, you've got to have things happen. You've got to – and don't – the one thing I hate what they do is they, they'll have – if anything does happen on SmackDown where – you know, there's something important that happens. They end up showing it on Raw anyway, so there's no point of really watching. You know, you know, show it on SmackDown and that's it. You know, just refer to it. You know, refer that something happened on SmackDown. You have to go watch. You have to, you know, you have to find a way to go on the YouTube channel and, and watch SmackDown. You know, so it's they have to do a better job of making SmackDown more must see. Um, but as a whole, I really think SmackDown was a great place to showcase young talent, and I think that was probably their biggest uh, win of the year. I mean, I kind of agree with what you're saying. I mean, I guess the young guys kind of got a bit of a spotlight. But the the problem that I have with SmackDown, and it's 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 been habitual for, for like not just this year, but like all the other years, is that you know, 
It almost WWE almost punishes you for watching SmackDown because you'll have matches that you'll invest time in, and you'll watch them, and you'll say that was a great match. But then they'll just repeat the same matches on, on Raw the next night, or as you said, just show a complete huge uh, preview or highlight of what happened, and then follow it up with something that makes it completely meaningless. It's just a wrestling show that has wrestling matches that don't really lead to anything, and. Like I, I, I think as we as we get into RAW, I'll, I'll have my little bit of a rant in, in regards to in, in regards to like you know matches and and making matches important and whatnot. But in regards to SmackDown, I think you said you said exactly what you needed to say in regards to you know making the show important. We need reasons to tune in. I don't want to just see a graphic saying, "Hey, tomorrow, uh, you know, for SmackDown Thursday night, we're gonna have this match." It's like don't sell us on the matches. To be honest, because right now matches don't really mean that much in WWE. The wins and losses don't mean that much. Give me something. Give me substance. Tell me someone's going to be on the show. Tell me there's going to be a confrontation. Tell me there's going to be something happening. Like a good example of what I want to see is like Survivor Series. The 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 night before, uh, or the few nights before Survivor Series, Triple H came out and 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 added a stipulation to the uh, to the main event of Survivor Series. They had an amazing yep. uh, sh- show centric. Uh, Angle where they they beat down the Survivor Series members. It had its it had its little plot holes, but it was it was impactful. It was it was meaningful. It made people. It was like wow, wow, we missed SmackDown and we missed this. You know, like you know, they need more more of that. And I totally agree with you in regards to that part. But uh, yeah, they need to make matches more, more important for you know SmackDown to become more must see, I guess. But uh, that was SmackDown, everybody. What did you think about SmackDown? You know, give us a call seven six zero triple eight five seven four nine. Or tweet me at Wrestling Arbreak, and uh, we'll discuss your your tweets and your views on 2014 live on the air. So we're going to move into the breakout superstar of the year of 2014. Um, it's one of those things where there's a lot of possibilities, a lot of a lot of options in regards to breakout superstars of the year. There was obviously everyone in the Shield had a great year. Rusev had a great year. Um, you know, Eric Young had a great year on uh, on. Um, on TNA Impact winning the World Championship. But I'll just go ahead and say Seth Rollins is my breakout superstar of the year. Now, this was hard. This was a hard choice. Like, uh, I had to really kind of weigh out because Dean Ambrose was a, was a huge favorite of mine. He kept me really, like, invested in pro wrestling at a time where it was hard to stay invested. But I think in the last... I don't know if you're in agreement with me here, but in the last three weeks to a month, Seth Rollins has really kind of upped his game. Uh, with his character, with his promos especially. His wrestling was always fantastic, but now now he's he's, he's getting his character over. Now he's getting this free-flowing kind of promo style that I'm really enjoying. Uh, and he's just becoming easily the, the hottest heel that WWE's, WWE's had in a long, long time. He actually gets booed instead of being seen as a cool character like maybe like Bray Wyatt does. Even though he's a heel, he gets cheered. Seth Rollins is a legitimate badass heel that no one likes because he cheats. He's he's the most vicious guy. And obviously, you know, from last night, last Monday night on Raw, we saw uh, a very vicious side of uh, Seth Rollins and he got what he wanted. He got the authority back. I think he's had a fantastic 2014. Obviously, he has, he's had the WWE machine behind him, but Seth Rollins is easily, easily my breakout superstar of the year with maybe Dean Ambrose becoming you know, a very, very uh, close second. I have to agree with you. Seth Rollins is my breakout superstar of the year as well. Uh, you know, you you alluded to it just now. You know, this past Monday Night Raw, I mean, he 
he personified what a heel should be. It's it's very slimy. It's it's very chicken shitty. It's you know that's what Seth Rollins has to be, and that's what he's been. You know he's he's personified what a heel is and should be, and you know being the authorities kind of golden boy. And I just I loved everything Seth Rollins has done this year, and we talked about it in the segment of the year. You know the second he broke up with the Shield. A lot of people didn't know, you know, who was going to succeed, who was going to fail, who's going to, you know, a lot of people thought Ambrose was going to kind of, kind of get pushed down the card, but all three of them have stayed at the top. And, you know, if I had to rank those three guys right now, I would probably say Seth Rollins had the best year out of all three of them. Um, mm. and, and I think we, we can't discount Dean Ambrose either. Dean Ambrose has had a crazy year. You know, no one really expected him to kind of main event. Uh, multiple pay-per-views this year. I mean, he main evented multiple pay-per-views, which nobody thought was, you know, was going to happen. Um, and at the same time, at the same time, I, I, I think I think the difference between Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose is that uh, Dean Ambrose has got himself over, in spite mm-hmm. of WWE uh, booking him as you know a bit aloof, a bit, a bit of, you know, but he loses all the time as well. He's never. I think I don't think he's won on pay-per-view this whole year, but yet. The fans are still invested in him and still love it, love him, and I think that's a testament to Dean Ambrose, the performer. Yeah, and then that's that, that's the thing about his character is I don't really think he needs a win. You know, he's just this psychotic guy that just yes. just goes nuts, and and that's that's the good thing about his character, similar to Bray Wyatt, where you know it, it's they don't really need to win matches. They can they can get away with losing you know four or five straight and and still be elevated in that sense. So. But back to Seth Rollins, you know, great year for him. He is my breakout yep. superstar of the year. Some names that I wanted to throw in there as well um, is, from TNA is Magnus and Bram. I thought they've had a great year, yes, especially absolutely. Bram. I talked about, you know, in the, earlier in the uh, in the show that you know, he's been really evolved into this hardcore legend, uh, you know, taking out guys. You know, they've kind of followed um, a similar mold to Randy Orton. And when he was getting his start as the legend killer, they've kind of followed that mold where Bram is beating guys like Devon and Tommy Dreamer, hardcore legends. And I think they've done a really good job with him. We can't forget about Rusev. Rusev, you know, still undefeated to this day, hasn't been pinned yet. Absolutely. So, you know, he's had a great year. And of course, Roman Reigns, we can't forget about it either. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Rusev is definitely worth talking about when you talk about breakout break superstar of the year. I mean, like this, this is a, Big muscular guy that we saw coming from a mile away, and they did the generic kind of like hype promo. And you know, like oh, it's just going to be another generic international heel that's going to be, you know, a foreign heel that's going to do the whole USA thing and kind of like you know, walk back. But you know, it's not just that. You know, we should just talk about Lana as well. You know, breaking out and, and, and being mm-hmm. this amazing character and being such an enhancement to Rusev. But back very quickly back to Rusev. Who ever thought that the guy could wrestle as well as he, as he as he has this year? He's having some great matches for his size. He's incredibly agile and quick, very much like very a Brock Lesnar esque kind of like uh, 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 poise and, and 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 technical ability. And I think he he's going to have a great 2015. Where he, where is he going to go after he gets defeated? Who knows? But I think he's had an amazing year. But, you know, at the same time, you know, when you have a breakout superstar of the year, you also have an underachiever of the year. Mm-hmm. Now, Aaron, hit me up straight away. You know, obviously there's, there's a few people that uh, have been given that quote-unquote brass ring and they haven't done very much with it. And who, who's your pick for uh, uh, underachiever of the year? I I kind of flip-flopped through a couple of different people. Um, I went with, you know, I was thinking about Cesaro and how, you know, he started out so hot this year and kind of fizzled out, and a lot of that has to do with WWE's handling of him. 
Um, but I also went with Batista. I think Batista, like all we remember is that he came in, he was expected to main event WrestleMania and win the title and, and be the world champion and kind of lead into maybe a feud with Lesnar or whatever. But uh, I think Batista was expected to be their baby face going into WrestleMania 30, and <laughs> that did not happen. Uh, and people turned on him, and, and I feel bad for him because I, I think, you know, and I've, I've actually written about this a couple months ago that I think it was just wrong place, wrong time. I, I don't think anyone really truly hates Batista. I think a lot of people just wanted CM Punk or Daniel Bryan to win the Rumble and go on to WrestleMania. And I think he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was just in a, in a spot where, you know, there was really nothing he could do. And I think, you know, if people forget that when he returned that night, he got he got a good pretty a pretty good pop. I mean, he didn't get like a a, a standing ovation, but you know, it was about seventy forty or sixty forty of you know people cheering for him. And I thought that you know he kind of got a bad. Are we talking rap. about the Royal Rumble? No, when he returned uh, in the twenty fourth. When he when he first returned that night, where you know Orton and, and and the Authority were out there and they were talking, and he returned uh, on the twenty fourth of or was it the twentieth of January? Something along those lines. I think it was one of those days. Yes. When he returned, he actually got a pretty good cheer, and, and a lot of people, you know, were were. I was happy he was back. I, I like Batista. I've always liked Batista, um, but you know, he was just wrong place, wrong time, and I think he really underachieved. He, he turned into a jobber in a sense. You know, he was getting pinned by, you know, when they were having those matches with um, the Shield, the Evolution and the Shield, he was the one that was getting beaten by Roman Reigns and getting pinned. And, you know, I just, I think he really underachieved and, and really um, underestimated, you know, what WWE expected from him, him this year. Yeah. I mean, I see where you're coming from in regards to that. And um, I'll just say that I think he turned his character. Like he, I think he went into a heel kind of persona quite well, and I, uh, for that reason, I think he had an all right year, and I, I, I did like his association with uh, Evolution and whatnot. But yeah, I do definitely see where you're coming from. My underachiever of the year is a, maybe shock, maybe shock a few people, but I don't care. I, I, I honestly, how I feel, Bray Wyatt. Now, and I was like, well, what are you talking about, Bray Wyatt? Like he was so prominent, he was featured all the time. You know, I had the Wyatt family, and how popular that was, and yes. He was popular. We're talking about underachieving. We're talking about a guy that has this ridiculously amazing style of promo. His, his character is so is so you know, unique and interesting. He's been billed as the next Undertaker, you know. And like maybe I'm kind of holding him in very in a bit too much of a high regard, but I think he's kind of fell flat. I think that there's there's a time where he uh, his promo style was was unique, different. No one's seen that seen that kind of style before, and now I think it's becoming generic. It's becoming uh, hard to follow, and I think he's improved things here and there. But I think he needs to do more than just improve things here and there. I mean, I wrote an article about uh, about the fact that we need uh, the promos. His promos need to make sense. Uh, I think there's a lot of times where he talks and talks and talks and kind of fade out. Uh, I tune out now because like he tells a story, and you're like, where is this going? I don't understand where he, where he's coming from. And like you know, like he's had some good matches. Yes, he's had some good matches. But I'm thinking like if he wants to be a prominent next level guy, like Vincent Mann keeps mentioning, oh, you know, Bray Wyatt's great, Bray Wyatt's great. He needs to do more. He needs to he needs to kind of like you know centralize his character. He needs to kind of like focus it a bit more. Be you know be heel because after all this, he's a heel. Are you cheering for him when you go to live events? Are you are you, are you invested in the character like 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 a babyface when you watch him? 
think he might be because, and and that's a, that's a problem. That's a problem that Bray Wyatt needs to deal with. So that's just me. But yeah, obviously Cesaro. Like we all have our opinions on Cesaro. Do you do you, do you want a Cesaro rant, uh, Aaron? Because I'll, I'll I'll give you one if you want. <laughs> it was just I I you know I've been on the the side that I don't think Cesaro has it. I I think he's a great wrestler, but I don't think he's. I don't think he can be this big superstar that they want him to be because he just can't talk. And he's in the same boat as Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, now, he you know, here's my thing. Cesaro's a much better wrestler than Roman Reigns. I don't want anybody to, to tweet me later and, and freak out. But yeah, I think Cesaro, Cesaro thinks he's better than he truly is on the microphone. You know, a lot of people come to me and say, you know, he's got charisma, man, and you go watch his stuff in ROH and this and that. I don't care. You're in WWE now. It's the big leagues. You've got to perform when you're given the microphone. And he was given the microphone on Raw. He was given he – he, I'm pretty sure Vince McMahon said to him, here, here you go. Here's a mic. You air your grievances and prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. And he did not prove him wrong. He, 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 was, he stuttered throughout his entire promo. And then he ended up going with four ropes. Um, I didn't know this was boxing. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure there's only three ropes there. Uh, you know, and, and he kind of muffled through it, and you know, maybe he was nervous. Who knows? But I think he proved everybody wrong. He proved everybody right that are saying that you know he doesn't have it yet. I'm not saying he can never have it. He can. He can always you know develop into becoming a good uh, promo guy. But right now, he doesn't have it, and he needs to work on it. And instead of pouting and and being upset, you know, he needs to work on his mic skills. And, and that's just as simple as it gets, you know. And I think, you know, he was he was at number two for me as underachiever of the year because – and a lot of it has to do with, you know, WWE mishandling him. I understand that. You know, they turned him heel when he probably should have been a babyface um, after WrestleMania 30. But at the same time, a lot of that has to do with him not being able to talk. And they had to attach a, mouth, a mouthpiece to him. And it was Paul Heyman, and that didn't work out. So – you know, a lot of it falls on him as well. I'll say this. The guy can wrestle. He's an amazing wrestler. He goes out there and in the flux period where he, like, you know, like January, February, where he was a tag team wrestler, where he was part of the Real Americans, he went out there and he had back-to-back amazing matches with Randy Orton and John Cena. He didn't talk once. All he did, he had double culture with him. Yeah, and he and he got himself over to the point where WWE realized, holy shit, this guy's actually quite good. They gave him, they, they gave him the first ever Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royale win at WrestleMania 30. Plus, they had a, he had a, a post a pre-match show uh, where you pretty much tore the house down with the Usos along with Jack Swagger, and then broke up. Fantastic. The Cesaro had a great WrestleMania 30. Then he got put with with Paul Heyman. All this stuff is fantastic. Where did it go wrong? Sure, you know, maybe maybe it was Cesaro's like, per, like personality and whatnot. But they didn't even give the guy a chance. I, as far as I'm concerned, they didn't give him a chance. They put him with they put him with Heyman, and then they put him in these feuds where he lost, and he lost, and he lost, and he lost, and he lost. And like you look at the Shield, wins and losses still matter. Because the Shield got over because they were unstoppable. They kept winning all their matches. They were, their credibility was off the page. And I'm not talking about Cesaro getting off the page credibility. But when you, got, when, when you, have, a wrestler, when you have a wrestler and, and his strength is wrestling, he needs, to win all, he needs to win more than he loses. And like really, 
then all of a sudden, uh, Heyman just left him for no reason. There was no ba- there's no reason or, or, or explanation for that. And then now, now he gets criticized for not connecting with the audience. Who the hell can can connect with a guy who just goes out there and does that kind of promo that you talked about? And sure, yes, his promo skills aren't good. Why keep putting him in, in uh, an uncomfortable territory and just accentuate his positives, which is an amazing wrestling mm-hmm. style? Seamus versus Cesaro for the U.S. Championship this year. I think it was a payback. Correct me if I'm wrong on Twitter. But like that match was incredible. It had it didn't really have the, the most stellar storyline, but those guys got fans invested in that match. And Cesaro kept doing that, but now, you know, obviously, he's been billed as just a guy. And WWE's probably scratching their head going, oh, I don't understand why he's not over. He's a great wrestler. Because no one, like, who wants to invest in a loser? And who wants to invest in a guy who does a promo that you just talked about? And where he's like, oh, you know, I, I do my talking in the ring and all that stuff. Yeah, I, great, great, great words, but if you don't back them up, what's the point? Anyway, mm-hmm. That's you know, like yeah, a very a very close uh, second, I guess, for Cesaro for Undertaker of the Year. But like you know, like when WWE kind of blows out both your legs and doing that, you know, like and doesn't even give you a chance. I feel sorry for Cesaro. Hey, I'd love Cesaro and Tyson Kidd to lead WWE and go to ROH and have and have great matches against Red Dragon for the tag tag championships. Maybe they should do that in ROH. But anyway, that's a tan- that's an amazing tangent. But anyway, mm-hmm. NXT. Tell me, tell me what you thought about NXT this year, because I think we're gonna we're gonna turn a, a complete uh, negative perspective into a positive very very quickly. Yeah, uh, NXT was the show of the year. It beats Raw, it beats SmackDown, it beats Impact. This was the show, the best wrestling show of the year. Uh, great women's wrestling. I've talked about a hundred times before. You know, their women's wrestling is. 10 times better than anything I've ever seen. I thought they've always, they, they were able to throw in some good comedy with Enzo and Big Cast and the Vaude Villains, and they were able to do smart and really just good comedic segments. Um, the wrestling matters. That That's the, that's their biggest thing, yes. is the wrestling matters. Triple H, Dusty Rhodes, whoever is booking down there, they understand that the wrestling matters and that, you know, attaching smart and simple storylines to their to the wrestling just it, it makes sense. It's not that hard, and and stories were being told, and it was great storytelling with wrestling. That's the biggest thing I always go back to is NXT tells stories with wrestling instead of words, and that's how you do it. That's how Vince McMahon talks about these stories, and he wants to tell a story to the audience. There's no better way to tell a story when you're a wrestling show than to wrestle. That that's how you tell stories. Um, another thing I loved about NXT this year was the commentary. I thought the commentary from Rich Brennan, Tom Phillips, Renee Young, uh, Jason Alvert, Alex Riley, all those guys, I thought they were great this year. And, and even Corey Graves kind of moving into that spot as well. I thought that was, you know, they did such a good job this year of, being, of, t- of telling the story, enhancing what's going on in the ring, not taking away from it like the guys on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, and, and they did a really good job. So NXT overall this year, a lot of great stuff, and probably the best show of the year. I couldn't have said it better myself. I think absolutely, it's a great shiny example of a wrestling show staying true to its fundamentals and proving to the world that in 2014, like a pro wrestling show, can still be traditional in its way of telling stories and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be sports entertainment and characters. It's a good it's a good blend. 
um, of those things. And I, I think when you make wins and losses mean something. When you when you make when you make your championships uh, the pinnacle of, of, of a brand and, and a promotion, uh, you, you can't help but uh, make storylines that are, are intriguing and enthralling. Um, when you give credibility to characters and, and invest time in them, and like like Sami Zayn had an amazing year because his story was so relatable. You can't relate to the to the everyday guy who's travelled the world, who's trying to trying to prove it to everyone that he can make it, and then end the year with him winning the world championship of the, of NXT. Like you you can't fault that story. You can't help it and get invested in it. And uh, you know it's. It, it, it's so easy to say, oh well, you know, NXT's got a ridiculously talented uh, locker room. But they they, they do. But uh, it, it takes more than just a talented locker room, as as shown by WWE's main roster at the moment, or in the last like month or two. You know, it takes more than that to make an amazing show. You need you need structure, you need uh, reasoning, you need logic, and you need to make things simple. Pro wrestling is at its best when it's simple, and NXT proved that this year. And uh, you know. I, I cannot wait to see what they're going to be doing with Kevin Owens, with Adrian Neville, with Sami Zayn. Uh, I think it's how can you not get excited about NXT for 2015? They had an amazing 2014, and it's one of those things where every single NXT WWE Network special got better and better and better and better. Uh, I, 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 like to the point where we'll get, I think we're going to, we might segue into the pay per view of the year because um, we're talking about NXT. Hands down, NXT Our Revolution was easily the pay-per-view slash TV special of the year. I think it was the most well-structured, well-told story event, storied event where you, like where everything made sense and it was just so captivating. Um, like Aaron, what did you, what'd you, what'd you think? I think you, you might be in the same ballpark as as I am for the pay-per-view of the year, or you chose something different. Um, I, I agree with you on some respect as far as the wrestling content goes. I think NXT Our Evolution takes the cake easily. But um, as far as impact and just the overall um, impact of, of a show, I, I went with WrestleMania 30. I think, you know, like we talked about earlier, 30 years of WrestleMania, I felt like the show was great. I think, you know, almost every match delivered. Um, especially the, you know, of course, the main event and Triple H versus Daniel Bryan, of course, Taker and Lesnar, even though the match wasn't great, the the end result, obviously, um, was historic. Um, I thought Bray Wyatt versus John Cena was good. I, you know, I, I felt like the entire show was, was pretty good. And, you know, of course, like you said, NXT Our Evolution, great wrestling, great, you know, as a wrestling show, that was as good as it gets. But um, as far as impact and historical value, I went with WrestleMania 30. WrestleMania 30, yeah, it was an amazing event. And uh, I, I am of the mindset that it looked like it was going to set the tone for what 2014 was going to bring for WWE. I mean, we had, as I said, Cesaro getting pushed. Like, it was one of those things that ungrown fans have been wanting for ages. And, of course, Daniel Bryan taking that next step, winning the championship in New Orleans in front of 75,000 people. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from in regards to impact. And obviously, the reason I want to talk about impact, obviously, you want to take his undefeated streak ending uh, to a, a myriad of, conf- uh, of you know, of uh, controversy. But at the same, you know, like, I, I, we're talking about, like, you know, like shows kind of like setting the tone for 2014. It, it, it's almost like, you know, the, the Undertaker's loss 
uh, at WrestleMania. Oh, I, I'm a firm believer that it almost like symbolized uh, maybe WWE kind of stepping away from tradition. You know, it was almost like the day that tradition died when uh, when uh, the Undertaker's undefeated streak ended at the hands of Brock Lesnar and ended in the way it did. It kind of set the way, like you know, set, uh, dis- disconnecting with a little bit of tradition maybe in pro wrestling booking. I mean, that's just how I feel. But uh, yeah, WrestleMania said it was definitely a, a great event. But obviously, you know, we have differing opinions of what the, the pay-per-view of the year was. Mm-hmm. Moving on though to the tag team of the year. Now, this is actually kind of a short list, I guess. And there's a there's a few, there's not that many teams to kind of choose uh, uh, that really had uh, an amazing year in regards to tag team wrestling. But who was your tag team of the year, Aaron? Um, like you said, kind of a short list here, but I went with the Ascension. I, I felt like, of course, the Ascension had one of the best years an NXT tag you, team could have. You chose the Ascension? I did. I did. I chose the Ascension. I felt like they had the best year as far as the tag team is concerned of 2014 in NXT. I felt like they personify what a tag team should be in NXT as far as... Um, <laughs> As far as uh, you know, just a solid tag team. I like you know a lot of people criticize their their corny promos and and the corny kind of 1980s look they have. I kind of dig it. They kind of remind me of a mixture of Demolition with Legion of Doom, kind of that kind of style. Um, mm. So I, I think the Ascension. Of course, there are some other teams that can be incineration like the Usos. There's a the few other teams that are a bit better than the Ascension. <laughs> no, come on! You can't you can't knock the Ascension's accomplishments this year, being the longest reigning NXT tag team of all time. Accomplishments, sure, but it takes more than just like a, a good booking strategy to make a, a tag team have a have an amazing year. And if I remember if I remember correctly, their tag team reign was made of of just beating jobbers every single week, and then maybe wrestling a a actually established tag team. Maybe like what? Three or four times in the year, and the rest of the times it was bidding jobbers. Yeah, I was thinking out there. Yeah, good. Yeah. I don't feel like they were given that. That's you can't knock. You can't knock what they're doing as far as that goes because that's not their fault. If there's not any teams to 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 go against, then the, the time they were there, you know, like you said, there weren't really much teams there, so. As far as that goes, I think, you know, a lot of that kind of stems from NXT and just not having a lot of teams available. And, of course, they did they did squash almost every match they had. Um, but I, I felt like the Ascension really kind of personified what a tag team should be. It should be two guys dominant week in and week out, dominating the tag team division. That's what champions are supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be dominating the division. And I felt like that the, – I felt like they really personified what that is. Now – of course, you know, I even wrote a whole column on the Ascension's debut this past Monday, and I felt like a lot of things went wrong with the way they were booked. They were booked in a, a 10.30 time slot, which I've never seen before. I've never seen a debut happen uh, the segment before the main event. That just doesn't make any sense to me. That usually is a segment uh, that is kind of a filler segment that, you know, doesn't really matter, and it's, it's usually a bathroom break. So I don't understand why they were thrown to that. I don't understand why the Miz and Mizdow were the people they faced. Why not give them two jobbers to just squash in 30 seconds? I, 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 they, they, they were sloppy, and it was just very awkward. And, and I don't think – I think some of the blame has to fall on WWE as far as not making them look, look great. You're supposed to make these guys look incredible, and you kind of have them go up against you know, maybe some fan favorites. Uh, I would, I would you know, label them as fan favorites as far as Mizdow goes. 
and the fans really didn't know who they didn't really know what to do. And I think a lot of them were frozen and didn't really understand, you know, what was going on. And I felt like they could have booked the Ascension much better on Monday. But um, overall, I felt like the Ascension was probably the tag team of the year. But like we said, there really weren't any great tag teams this year. Maybe the Usos come in second place for me um, as far as tag team of the year. But I'm going to go with the Ascension. I hate the Ascension. I'm telling you right now, and I hope Bill Chen's listening. Oh, no, I I couldn't tell. I yeah, <laughs> they like, I don't understand what's what's the big allure of the ascension. There's one little one guy that actually can work, and Victor and Connor's like just a big guy who can talk. Okay, cool. They're, they're just average. They're just an average, boring team that now is on the main roster. It doesn't have the uh, the, the rabid uh, NXT crowd like cheering on their kicks and stuff like that. I tell you what. I, yeah, I just don't like them, and I, I, I can't believe they're even considering them for the tag team of the year. If, you, if you're talking about like a great tag team that was underrated and that deserved to be tag team of the year, I'll go with the Wyatts. I thought the Wyatts had a great 2014, even though they did not win the tag team championships. Why the WWE goes into these modes where they have great tag teams that fight for the tag titles, but they never ever win them in their and the time they're together is beyond me. I don't understand why. But Wyatts were another tag team. They, they're almost like the Wild, Wild Simones kind of meeting APA. They were just brute. They were great. Luke Harper led, led, led Eric Rowan, and I think Eric Rowan can thank uh, Luke Harper ten times over for the kind of like the performer he is now because I, I'm guarantee you that union that they that he had with uh, Harper taught him so much of how to be a big guy, how to carry yourself. Um, I've, I've loved Luke Harper ever since I saw him associated with Bray Wyatt, and I loved what they did with the Usos. Um, uh, this year, they had some amazing matches that blew everyone's uh, mind uh, every time they stepped out there. Sure, you know, it may, they may have had a, a few too many matches by the time they uh, finished their series, but an amazing rivalry, amazing tag team. Uh, obviously, the Usos are up there, but Wyatt's are easily my tag team of the year. They did a great job. Why are they broken up? You have to ask WWE that. I don't know. But like, and why, why, this is on a segue, why are the, the so the white's broken up. Who's it benefiting right now? Um, I think Luke Harper. I think they they want. I think they want Harper to break out into a mid card main event guy, and they're kind of doing that with the, some of the backstage promos. One thing that really irks me about Luke Harper and his entrance is why does he still have the little lights that Bray Wyatt has? Those you know those like background lights that kind of. Um, to kind of make it look like you know what I mean. I don't understand that. Like, why? Yeah, those little things either. get me so mad. I don't. I'm such. I'm such a nitpicker <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that. I just hate that. But um, as far as that goes, I, I don't know. I think they're they're looking to push Luke Harper. My guy Eric Rowan has kind of fallen off the face of the earth, and I'm really upset about it. He was not on Raw he this should week, be. and yeah. I'm just so pissed. Yeah. Uh, I feel sorry. I feel sorry for Eric Rowan. I think he's done a great job uh, with the time that he's had. He's improved out of sight. I mean, if there was a if there was a much improved uh, award, I'd give it to Luke, uh, to uh, Eric Rowan this year. But uh, we've got to keep moving on. By the way, uh, the Jeff Jarrett interview will be playing at the end of the show. So hang in there, guys. If you're hanging out for Global Force Wrestling's Jeff Jarrett, and we're going to be playing that at the end of the show. But in the meantime, the Diva of the Year, uh, hit us up, Aaron. Who did you choose? Uh, Diva of the Year, I went with Charlotte. I think Charlotte uh, in NXT, and this has kind of been an NXT-heavy show for me at least. Um, 
I felt like NXT, mm-hmm. you know, Charlotte really just, uh, and this is a great segue into what I was about to talk about. You know, I watched Natalia versus Charlotte last night um, on the network. I was just in a mood to watch that match. I kind of just, it popped in my brain. I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch that match right now. Um, and, you know, I just rewatched that match, and it was so freaking good. It it, it was so good, and, and, you know, I felt like Charlotte performed, and, and she's been so good since she's won the title. She she's And it's incredible to think how far she's come. She started wrestling only two or three years ago, and now she is two just... Two years ago, probably, I checked. Two years. Yeah, two years ago she started wrestling, and now she's the, the NXT uh, Women's uh, Champion. She's on a fast track to come up to the main roster and probably dominate the Divas division. Hopefully they, they book her correctly. Um, but the year Charlotte's had this year, incredible. She's She is she is women's wrestling in NXT, and I, I feel like she definitely deserves this title. Of course, you know, Paige and AJ Lee, uh, you know, kind of get thrown into there. Uh, Gail Kim from TNA gets thrown in there. Bayley. Sasha Banks get thrown in there, but um, I'm going to go with Charlotte. Yeah, we're completely in agreement there. Charlotte's my diva of the year. It's hard not to say that Charlotte's the best diva in the whole 2014. Stellar wrestling all the way through the year. I mean, like you, like you look at all her marquee matches, obviously with Natalia, like you mentioned, fantastic. Like just even one of the best matches of the year. And who would have thought that, you know, a, a women's match in WWE, uh, WWE produced television would get that kind of a... Uh, that kind of attention. I wouldn't have thought that in the last few years, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, smooth, just so smooth in that ring, like just like a father. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's crazy to think two years on the, on the professional circuit and, and she's as good as she is. She's going to be a mega star. She's going to be the easily like maybe, maybe even surpassing Trish Stratus, you know, like, um, yeah. in, in terms of being that kind of dominant figure. Um, What's going to happen when she moves up to the main roster? Who knows? You know? But uh, I think her promos are the next thing that needs improving. She's not perfect. I mean, I, there's mm-hmm. been articles written about that on PWP in regards to that, and I, I agree. Uh, but plenty of time. Hey, two years. She's got plenty of time to kind of get 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 uh, what's going in regards to promos. Uh, so, guys, uh, we're going to just. Uh, uh, if you guys are thinking about calling in, uh, we're probably going to cut that short because we are just running a little bit behind time. But uh, you know. Remember, Wrestling's Rope Break is going to be airing next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern on uh, pro, uh, on a maineventmadness.com. Uh, so, and you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on our website. Uh, Facebook is www.facebook.com slash wrestling's uh, rope break. Wrestling's rope break. Uh, so, yeah, definitely check us out next week, Thursday, 8 p.m. on Main Event Madness. So, our final show wrap-up of 2014 is Monday Night Raw. This show, um, this it's it's been hard. It's been very very hard to watch, um, almost a chore. And I'll be the first to admit. And Aaron can kind of back me up because he he was witnessing it. Like I had a huge slump in in WWE, and it was because of Monday at Raw uh, about a month ago. I just it, I just, I couldn't give a crap. I just couldn't be bothered watching it. It was it was illogical. It was. So much more based on trying to be entertainment than a pro wrestling show, and really, as we've discussed all the way through the show, if your fundamentals are, are, are on point, then it just enhances your because it enhances the product that you're doing. You know, like and Raw just over and over again. Just it, it's it, outside Mania and, and SummerSlam, the build of Mania and SummerSlam, 
these shows were, were borderline atrocious. I don't know what you thought, Aaron. What do you think of Monday Night Raw? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think you kind of touched on it. it you know, it was very screwy, very long and drawn out. And the the biggest running theme of this of Raw this year was probably the opening segment. I think that, that probably caught the most of the criticism uh, for this year, whether it's the authority coming out and cutting a 20-minute promo uh, or John Cena and Seth Rollins cutting a 15-minute back-and-forth promo. It was just the opening segment for Raw needs a lot of work. And I even wrote a whole little piece on it um, a while back. But it, it, it needs a lot of work. It, it, it needs to be shorter. I don't understand why Raw can't start off with a match. Just have Cole introduce Michael Cole, Waller, and JBL. Yeah, I mean, just have them go, here's what's on the slate for tonight. We're going to start the show with Dolph Ziggler versus Rusev or whatever they want to do. You know, give us a wrestling match right away. Why do we need this long 20-minute promo um, of a lot of just standing around and talking? I, I don't – and we even got it this week. You know, granted, it was Edge and Christian, and they were actually kind of funny, but we don't need that. That wasn't needed. We, why not save Edge and Christian for later on in the show? I don't understand you know why it works. that whole – I'll tell you why it works because you got you got all these veterans. You got Christian, you got Edge. They know they know how to cut promos. They know how to get the fans invested in them. You know, and that's why it works. And like when you keep throwing these guys out there, it's talking, 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 talking. It's, it's that disconnect. That disconnect again. You immediately just go, "Well, I'm here for wrestling, and we're talking." But third, wasn't there a thirty-minute segment on Raw like a few weeks ago? Thirty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Talking. 30 minutes. We're here to wrestle. You know, like, it's old school mentality, but really, like, for a casual fan, like, when they're, when they're going to give two minutes of their time to wrestling to see what's on, they are more likely after wrestling. I think that was TNA's problem as well. There was way too much talking in the start of 2014. And I think they really improved yeah. that. And what, why can't mm-hmm. WWE do the same? I don't know. And, and another big thing that, you know, kind of was played on Raw is the screwy finishes. The always the the disqualification finish, and you kind of talked about it throughout the years. You know, the, the oh, man. kind of we can't we can't just end the match. It has to be a disqualification. It has to be a count out. It has to be something. It has to be Kane running in and breaking up the match. And I, I don't understand. And I understand they have to save guys. They I, I understand somewhat what they're coming from, but at the same time, you've got to understand that you know if you're if you're going to continue to do it, there's no reason why somebody should stay up at, at eleven o'clock at night to watch the main event of John Cena versus the big show or whatever main event you want to put up there and, and to know that Kane's going to run in and beat down John Cena and, and that's it. So it's, it, it's, they've got to finish. They've got to fix the, so the beginning and the end of raw. There needs to be a huge kind of rebuild and remodel of, of Raw's first and last segment. And another thing that needs to happen, and I know it's not going to happen. And I know they make too much money from it, but, it needs to go back to two hours. It does. It, it, oh, yeah. Raw needs to be two hours long. It, it, Raw being a three-hour event, counting the pre-show and the post-show, altogether it's a four-hour show on Monday night. Nobody has time for that. Nobody has time Aaron, to sit there for three hours. Do you, do you, watch, you watch the pre-show and post-show, don't you? I do. I watch the pre-show. I watch the post-show. I watch all of Raw. I'm there for four hours. <laughs> that it's is incredible. <laughs> I don't. I don't know anyone who actually does that. And I know a lot of wrestling fans. I don't know anyone who actually sits. I, I I've been watching it for 19 years. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do that. 
and you've touched on, on some good points, and I just want to just follow up on them. Matches, making matches meaningful. Uh, no, I'm not talking about wins and losses means something because I've said that a billion times in the show. I'm talking about match structure. I'm talking about having this structure where you where you watch this match and it may, straight away it like you're waiting for the finish because you know and you've been conditioned that nothing really happens until the finish. And, and, and that, I think that is the biggest detriment to making matches exciting and unpredictable. Like, like, like we have to wait for the finishing sequence to really kind of get into a match. And then when you have the finishes, uh, it just gets thrown out because, oh, well, we're booked ourselves in a corner. We can, like, a good example, great example, last, last Monday Night on Raw, we had Dolph Ziggler versus Rusev in a Champions versus Champions match. Mm-hmm. They put these guys together. And obviously Rusev can't lose because you know he's on an undefeated streak. And the, so what do they do? They have Rusev win because he doesn't break a count at five because they just have to you know, have to end the match some way. And, and how uh, if we if we look at champion versus champion matches back in like what 1995, 1996, I guarantee you if we looked at television ratings, those matches would be rated very very high because the idea of a champion versus versus a champion. Someone has to win. Something has to give. It's old school as hell, but like, like if you condition people to just be like, well, you know, we're gonna see, we're gonna see some moves, and the match is gonna get thrown out. How can people invest in the product? How can they do it? Mm-hmm. They can't. It's just, it's impossible. And Raw has got us in that, in that mentality, and it sucks. And they need to get, get us out of it. I don't know what they're gonna do, but something needs to be done. Anyway, that's just my. I think it's the last rant I'm going to do for the show because we're going to be moving into some positive territories for those who are looking for something positive. <laughs> for me to say, in regards to 2014, the superstar of the year, Aaron, who was your superstar of the year? The, 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 the guy who blew blew your mind completely for the for this whole year. Okay, so I have about maybe 13 names in front of me that I considered wow. for this, this title or whatever you want to call it. Um, but ultimately settled on Brock Lesnar. I think Brock, um, you Ooh. know, Brock Lesnar, just he had the best year out of a, any superstar. He he beat Big Show at the Royal Rumble, destroyed the Big Show. He uh, went to WrestleMania, beat the streak. He beat the, destroyed John Cena at SummerSlam, you know, and, and still the world champion. Uh, I think there's no, and I understand people gripe about Lesnar not being around and, you know, uh, he's only here and there and, you know, whatever. But I think Lesnar being the streak, destroying John Cena, I mean, we've never seen something like that ever. As a wrestling fan, I can't even remember the last time I saw um, a, a top guy like John Cena who's compared to an Austin, a Hogan, a Rock, get just destroyed for 20 minutes straight by another guy. I just, I've never seen that before. So I think Lesnar has to be my superstar of the year. Uh, some other names I considered was Seth Rollins, John Cena, Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Lashley, uh, Bobby Roode, you know, Sami Zayn, Andrew Neville, a bunch of other guys. But I, I ultimately settled on uh, on Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I, I think in this kind of list, like guys like John Cena and Randy Orton just get thrown in there just because they're – John Cena and Randy Orton. I try to stay away from that. I, mean, I, I do actually. I, I never really thought of Brock Lesnar as a superstar of the year, but when you when you consider, I guess his accomplishments and what he's done. Sure. Yeah, I, I could definitely see him in that upper echelon as being the superstar of the year. But for me, it was Sami Zayn. 
I just, I've been blown away by this guy I heard about at the start of the year, and I heard that, you know, he used to be El Generico, and I, I watched a few El Generico versing, um, uh, Samurai Del Sol, the current Kalisto, and I saw their match, and I like, he's a good wrestler, and I heard that he was having some good matches against uh, Cesaro, and then I saw NXT arrival, and I saw his match against uh, Cesaro, uh, the final encounter between these two. And I was blown away by this guy's amazing ability to connect with the fans. And in a year where WWE had babyface after babyface fail on them, and just uh, and the babyface roster really thin out after the injuries that Daniel Bryan uh, suffered and Roman Reigns suffered, uh, I wrote an article called Sami Zayn to the Rescue, and I, I, I analyzed what he could bring to the table, and the end result is easily one of the most charismatic and one of the most uh, interactive kind of superstars we've, we've seen in a long, long time. This guy has cross-promotional flair like no one else. Like he can, he, he can easily be loved by kids. He's a great role model for kids. He's he's a tough as nails babyface, so he's he's got that cross promotion for the for the male audience. Uh, you know, he may not be the best looking guy, but it's not about looks. It's about how you connect with the audience. And Sami Zayn has done that in spades. If you want an example of that, you look at the you look at the crowd who's got ballistic when he finally won the NXT Championship after a almost what a two year uh, journey to the championship. Look at their reaction, and that's why he's the superstar of the year. He was just had the best year, and I can't cannot wait to see him on the main roster. The reason why I can't wait more than anyone else is that I believe he can, he can, he can, he's, he's an example of cream rising to the top. He'll be like Daniel Bryan. He, he, he have, will have no problem in whatever situation he's in connecting with the fan base. I, I can't wait to see him. Uh, maybe, hey, if I'm in, if I'm in, if I'm at WrestleMania 31 and he gets a match of some sort, if he, he gets added to the card, I will be the happiest man in the world. Sammy Zayn, superstar of the year. Um, I had a shorter list too. I only had four, really. I had Seth Rollins, Gene mm. Ambrose, Adrian Neville, and uh, Bobby Lashley. I thought Bobby Lashley had a very underrated year too. So, Aaron, we're at the last award of the year. Uh, the last yeah, award we're going to give out for 2014. Uh, mm-hmm. What is it? Uh, match of the year. Um, I had about maybe five or six matches that I considered. Um, just to name a couple that I considered, but I didn't choose. I went with, you know, uh, Charlotte versus Sasha Banks, the NCR Evolution, Natalia versus Charlotte, two women's matches. Imagine that. Two women's matches um, in the match of the year category. That's crazy. Um, Zayn versus Neville at, at our Evolution as well. But I ultimately settled on Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton versus Batista in the main event at WrestleMania 30. I felt like, once again, I'm kind of going back to the impact it had on of WrestleMania and WWE in general, they were going to go with Daniel Bryan as their world champion. That really made a big statement as far as them actually listening to the fans and, and, and the fans making some kind of change. Um, of course, he got injured and they, they couldn't, it, it fell through. But um, I think that the impact that match had, the showcase, the, the, the fans, the 80,000 fans going psychotic when, uh, when he won the world title, um, I just think that match overall was the match of the year. Also, Daniel Bryan versus Triple H is honorable mention as well. I think that match was probably a better match than the main event, but um, the impact of the main event just just had more historical value to it. I, you know, I, I'll say this straight off the bat for your match of the year. I enjoyed it a lot more than other people enjoyed it. 
because um, I kind of got a little bit of a bad rap. It wasn't the best match in the show and all that stuff. But yes, I, I, I get the whole impact stuff and I enjoyed it and I thought the, the spots were great and the story that was told was good. And I remember watching it live and I was definitely like, oh my God, is Sam Punk going to come out? Is Triple H actually going to screw him? And, and for that, you know, the story was fantastic and I'll, I'll give you that. We were spoiled this year, I think, when it comes down to matches of the year. I mean, there were so many great pro wrestling matches. And uh, one of the shining things to take away from 2014, we've been hard on the booking, we've been hard on Raw, we've been hard on what WWE's been doing. But no one can deny the talent pool the in WWE right now. I think it's, it's mm-hmm. probably one, one of the best talent pools uh, between the ropes that we've seen in a long, 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 long time. Healthy, young vibrant, energetic, big, strong guys, uh, you know, like, you know, varying in size, but all, but their skill levels is unmatched. You've got your Rollins, you've got your Ambrose, you've got your, you've got your Cesaro, you've got your Ziggler, you've got your Luke Harpers, you know, uh, Rusev, you've got everything kind of covered in, the, in this brand new crop of uh, young guys, and it's very exciting to watch. But, you know, like you said, Brian versus Triple H was great. Wyatt's missing the Shield Elimination Chamber. Fantastic match. Great heat. Crazy fans for that match. Don't forget the Money in the Bank ladder match from 2014. That was great with Rollins, Ambrose, um, you know, uh, Kofi, Swagger. They had a great match. The story that, that, that kind of it, it was one of those matches that expanded the Ambrose Rollins storyline and did a great job with it. Um, don't forget that I loved the ladder match between the Hardys, the Dudleys, and the Wolves from Impact. That was a fantastic mm-hmm. match. Um, Cesaro versus Cena uh, and Cesaro versus um, uh, uh, Orton at the start of the year, like I mentioned, uh, uh, leading into Elimination Chamber. There were two great solid t- TV matches. We had some great TV matches. What about that ladder, the, the cage match between Rollins and Cena from, from a few weeks ago in Raw? That was a great match too. Yeah. But uh, when it comes, uh, Rollins versus Ambrose, like how can we follow that, that no holds barred match, uh, the night after SummerSlam, the SummerSlam match, the Lumberjack match. Probably it's easily. Uh, like, uh, I'll, I'll go as far as to say that was very easily the, the most entertaining and most enthralling uh, lumberjack match I've ever seen in my life. Like so many examples of why that should be the match of the year. But my match of the year is Cesaro versus Sami Zayn from NXT arrival. Now, I mean, like uh, it got good praise. Um, a lot of people liked it, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it may not be in people's uh, matches of the year. But I'll tell you why it was so highly rated. It told this amazing story of like Sami Zayn trying to, so desperately to prove to everyone and to prove to Cesaro that he belonged uh, in in the guys' league, and they did this amazing match that played off all their previous encounters. The tornado, like one thing that, that Sami Zayn does is he does that tornado DDT that he flies through the ropes and he grabs onto the guy on the outside, and he, and he did that for the first time against uh, Cesaro. It was amazing. What does Cesaro do? He turns it into an uppercut. And it was amazing. Like, just little things like that. It was just so well done in regards to the storyline. And uh, it was one of those matches where everyone went in, good. They left even better uh, when the match was over. Both guys. And, uh, and for that, that's, that's my match of the year. Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, this is, so that's 2014. But now, obviously, you know, like we start wrestling's rope break up next, next, year, or sorry, next week uh, on Thursday, 8 p.m. Uh, on uh, maineventmadness.com. Uh, we've got to start thinking about 2015. We've got the Royal Rumble, what, in three weeks? Uh, what's the predictions for 2015? What do you, what do you think we're going to see uh, going into the ne- next year? Not just for WWE, but for, for everyone in general. 
Um, I, I have about three kind of predictions that I, I kind of wanted to touch on. The first one, I think, is that John Cena will kind of move aside as their top, uh, their top guy. I think he's going to slowly start to move aside for guys like Ambrose, Rollins, Reigns, Ziggler, guys like that. I think he's going to understand that, um, you know, he's got to move aside and that maybe his time is up, you know, to not, not to quote his theme song, but, you know, maybe his time is up and maybe it's, it's time for him to kind of move along. I think they were going to do that this year, but of course, Daniel Bryan got injured and, you know, there was, he had to kind of take that, take that, that slot back. So I think we're going to see John Cena kind of move aside um, going to 2015. I also think it's going to be the year of the shield. I really do. I think it's going to be, I think Reigns is going to win a world title this year. I think Ambrose might even win the world title this year. And I think Rollins is definitely a shoe in to win the world title this year. So um, I think all three of those guys can, are, are going to dominate the main event scene for the, for 2015 in general, along with Daniel Bryan and, and Ziggler and guys like that. So um, that's another thing. And one more thing I want to touch on, I think we'll mm-hmm. see, uh, Sami Zayn, I think we'll see Adrian Neville, I think we'll see Finn Balor, Hideo Tommy, and Kevin Owens all on the main roster by the end of 2015. Oof. That one's a, that's a, that's a bold prediction, because like, if you take all those guys away from NXT, what's, what's left, you know, like, uh, and I think, I think NXT's, they need some guys always there to kind of, like, keep audiences enthralled, and hey, Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville, it's their time. They've been on the road long enough, they've been doing house shows, they've even wrestled their main event. Their time to kind of step up, and I can't wait for that. I mean, I, one thing, uh, obviously, I think we'll discuss the whole Roman Reigns uh, situation uh, next Thursday on Wrestling's Rep Break, Thursday, Thursday 8 p.m. on Main Event Madness. Um, we'll discuss that um, uh, in regards to his like role going into WrestleMania next week, but I predict that Dean Ambrose uh, is going to outshine Roman Reigns. I think. I think there was a great article written uh, on PWP. I think, we, I think Tim Bell wrote that article, Aaron. Am I, am I right? Um, yeah, yep, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a great article. It's up up there on the main page at the, at the moment. It's talking about how Ambrose is going to outshine Roman Reigns, and I predicted him to be maybe another John Cena esque kind of character if he if he maintained the right kind of course. But yeah, that's my that's one of my predictions. I think Brian's going to reclaim his his uh, top spot uh, that he uh, he worked so hard for uh, during this year. I think a great example of that is the reception he got when he announced that he was going to be in the, in the 2015 Royal Rumble. Easily the most the most uh, uh, energetic kind of uh, re- reaction of the whole night. And the fact that the guy's been off television for this whole time and there's been real no vignettes. I mean, he's made a few appearances here and there. The fact that his stardom is still just just as strong. I can't wait to see what he's going to do for in 2015. He, he's hoping that it's an injury-free uh, 2015 for Mr. Daniel Bryan. But that's the 2015 predictions. Actually, it would be kind of cool. Maybe we can return to this, this uh, errand for our next year's show. We kind of wrap up 2015, see if the uh, predictions come true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, I just can't, I, I can't wait. And I'm excited for 2015. I think it's going to be an even better year. And hopefully WWE, TNA, Global Force Wrestling, uh, you know, can all, you know, be at a high point, and we can have some real competition between the three. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. Competition is the main thing, like we mentioned at the start of the show. If you get some good competition, uh, healthy competition is always going to make uh, each show better. So um, we're definitely looking forward to that. 
Well, that's all we have time for tonight. But, of, of course, before we head off, we're going to leave you with our exclusive uh, interview with Global Force Wrestling's Jeff Jarrett. So definitely hang around for that in the next few minutes. But in the meantime, thank you so much for those who decided to spend some of uh, New Year's Eve with us. Uh, hopefully your festivities are safe and uh, and enjoyable, as mine were last night. <laughs> uh, and thank you, Aaron, for as always, for joining me tonight and for joining me nearly every single week since uh, the midway through the year. Uh, your effort and everything you do is tireless and it's great and I can't wait to team up with you and do some amazing radio for 2015. I can't wait either. It's been a great year and, uh, you know, it's been, it's crazy to think that, you know, 2015 is already here. So Exactly right. It's going to be a very exciting uh, 2015. We're going to do the best we can to make to bring you guys the best radio we can. Remember, Wrestling's Rope Break, the brand new reboot of this show on MainEventMadness.com uh, next Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. You can find the show by visiting our site, uh, Wrestling'sRopeBreak.Weebly.com. Following us on Twitter at WrestlingRBreak, uh, capital W, capital R, capital B, or liking Wrestling's Rope Break on Facebook at uh, www.facebook.com slash wrestling's rope break. So thanks again for uh, for listening. Enjoy the Jeff Jarrett interview, interview, everybody. Thanks for a tremendous 2014, and we will catch you in 2015 with Wrestling's Rope Break. Have a good night, everybody. I just like to uh, point out to the wrestling fans out there. Just hold on, everybody. We're just going to bring up that Jeff Jarrett interview in a few seconds. Just hold on. Yeah, I'll just uh, start. I just like to. Uh, point out to the wrestling fans out there it's it's a real honor and a privilege to uh have one of Owen's uh closest closest just hold on everybody we've got it coming up in one second
Aussie. So it's set to go off with an Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Uh, oi, oi, oi. I can't believe I haven't said that. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so good. I think it's kind of important that uh, fans know exactly what Global Force Wrestling is all about because still to this day, uh, we're running into some fans here and there that aren't exactly sure what to expect from your new venture. So if you could, just give us a quick rundown of, of how and why uh, Global Force Wrestling came about. Well, you know, it's no secret that uh, I walked away from TNA about 
toughest numbers that you've been moving in that movie. The other television shows you can compete ratings against one another. But we, we fundamentally believe that we want AAA to be as healthy as we possibly can. And then launching in North America uh, with Lucha Underground and Ring of Honor with their syndication deal and, and, and other promotions around the world. We're, we're happy to TNA got their deal with Destination America. So that we're global force is going to focus on, on, on our organization and, 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 and do uh, all we can uh, to make our promotion as successful as possible. Yeah, that's a really good point, you know, and I, I completely agree with you on that level. You know, more wrestling is just better for everyone else, you know, involved and, and all the wrestling fans involved. Um, another point that I wanted to make was, you know, in a recent interview, Dixie Carter stated that, you know, WWE purposely tries to kind of keep them down and stop them from growing and, and kind of holding them away from arenas and, and grabbing some of that market share that you were talking about. Um, do you, have you guys kind of, Felt any of that treatment from WWE yet? As you guys kind of gain popularity, and do you feel like that will happen in the future? If you guys already gain popularity, do you think WWE will kind of quote unquote come after you guys in that respect? You know, I, I think that's a, a mentality that we certainly don't have at Global Force. We're going to focus on Global Force wrestling, needs, wants, desires, vision, and, and that's what we're going to focus on. So yeah, I mean, like with obviously with like Wrestle Kingdom line, uh, it, it, it's it's a it's a first ever showcasing really of, of what global force wrestling is all about. But outside the the the, the standalone event on January fourth, little is kind of known of what's coming next. Like after like when we get Jim Ross and Mike, Matt Strucker doing the commentary deal for Wrestle Kingdom nine, we don't know what's coming next. Like in regards to like. The, the structure of your show, on the, the talent roster. Let's say, like, my, my kind of question is, what should fans expect? Should they expect maybe something similar to, like, maybe what the WCW was back in 1996, where it was, it had a very strong North American-based roster, but with a little bit of international flair, well, because of its affiliation with AAA, New Japan. Is, is, is the structure of what you're looking for kind of similar to that model, or, the, or is it, are we expecting something completely different? My, my real simple answer is you guys will know when it's time for Global Force Wrestling to release that news. It, 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 I chuckled to myself that, you know, we, are, we have a strategic rollout, and it, it's very obvious that we're going to have a diverse roster. But when it's time to release those type of details, we will. Uh, and yep. that's what I'm so excited, excited about is that the anticipation continues to build. What is it? What's it going to look like? What's your programming? Uh, you know, what's going to make a difference? And I'm, 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 I'm very honored and loved and grateful that they have information there. And, and we will release those details when the time is right. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you right now, we're all very much looking forward to it. Can you say at least maybe at Wrestle Kingdom Line we're going to get a big, uh, maybe a little bit of a bigger hint on what to expect in regards to what I just asked? You have to buy the next few to get an answer to that. I know that Jim Ross is very, very excited. Uh, Matt Stryker's very, very excited. All of us are going for us. And, you know, the thing for has really taken a life all up to itself. And, and I knew when we announced Jim being a part of it, that it was going to, you know, create a massive amount of exposure. But the media requests that have come in uh, have just blown our PR team away. And, and with the addition of, of, of the Blitz now, uh, taking this, this, this thing to an entirely different level that, you know, people in Australia and in Europe, um, uh, South Africa, but, you know, I've got a promotion in South Africa where we're going to be releasing 
coming as a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan from way back when, it's been, I've been uh, getting myself excited by watching matches with Carl Anderson and versing uh, uh, you know, Tanahashi and uh, matches with Okada and Naito. Uh, there's obviously a distinct kind of uh, wrestling style there, like a very competitive, old-school, uh, physical style that uh, obviously Jim Ross is going to convey with, to, uh, up to the utmost excellence uh, come uh, January 4th. Is this kind of competitive nature, uh, uh, the fact that you've chosen New Japan Pro Wrestling as being your first kind of outing, is, is uh, uh, the style of wrestling, because obviously the style of wrestling is very, very important for when you start off a play, is, is that the kind of style that you may be leaning towards, or is that another thing that I mean, you're kind of keeping under wraps in regards to what to expect? We're, 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 Wrestling generation, uh, Jim Wallace available. We went after him. 
we got a deal done. And once the balls deal has been done, then, uh, you know, you go, okay, who's going to drive shotgun? Who's, who's going to be his partner? And, and I looked at that, and it was pretty simple. They only had to have, you know, two prerequisites. One, they had to compliment JR. That's what the JR can pass. And, 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 he, and he's got a real good uh, vibe and sense about it. And then the other one, which is equally important, is, uh, you know, this guy didn't have just 10 matches that are going to be on the belt. So they had to know a, a deep, fast knowledge of Instagram for a wrestler, you know, that goes back 42 years. And that has to have both. He moved away with his knowledge of, of the ins and the outs and the rivalries and the backstory and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we talked to EMA announcers, we talked to boxing.
getting a little bit drained and needing an alternative to uh, what the uh, what the main competition is offering. Uh, we're really looking forward to seeing what uh, Global Force Wrestling uh, has to offer in the near future. Great. I appreciate all the help and support promotion that you guys that are giving us. I really do appreciate that. Oh, just any time, and if we can have you on the show any any time in the future, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll gladly we'll love it, love it to have you here. Great, great. All right, fellas, I'll talk soon, and, and uh, again, 